Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Your boy Jack Manuel here to recap what has been a pretty big day of Nets news. We've got Ben Simmons, some James Harden stuff dropping, Nicholas Claxton, DeAndre Bembry, and then a few buyout and some questions from some listeners. So let's jump right into it. So first thing is first, we had Aussie Ben, Ben 10, baby, speaking to the media for the first time. Now, there was a lot of interesting stuff. I think that Ben Simmons handled this really well. Obviously, he spoke about the basketball fit. Uh, a few quotes I'll, I'll jump into. He said, it's a blessing to be in an organization like this. I'm looking forward to getting back on the floor and building some something great there. When that will be, we do not know yet. He didn't say that he has a date. He said, no date yet, but I'm starting to ramp it up. Obviously, we saw him you know, with the high five to our boy KD, Kevin Seven. Not sure. I, my prediction is hopefully both of our superstars are back. Boston Celtics first game after the All-Star break, but it's anyone's guess, so I have no idea. Uh, he spoke about, you know, him finding out about it. it. It was really cool to sort of hear him see about hear about the family element. He said, you know, I actually drove into the city. I was like, wow, I'm really here, which was very surreal because I got my family 30 minutes away. He obviously lives in Jersey. Uh, he's got his family's place there as well. I got my grandparents 30 minutes away, so it's nice to have them close by as well. I think this whole experience has been kind of surreal. So that was really, really cool. And he obviously noted uh, about about my boy, Paddy Mills as well. That was a, a lot of fun. So he spoke to KD a couple hours later. He was great on the phone. He was very welcoming. He's excited too. I'm just looking forward to getting on the floor with those guys and that talent he spoke about, you know. He mentioned the word scary. I'm not sure if we want to use the word scary anymore, Benjamin, especially because that... The old bearded blokey, he's the one that sort of came up with that. Let's just stick with Nets World. That's come up with our guy, KD. So he said multiple different weapons on the floor. The pace we want to play at, it's going to be uh, it's going to be unreal. So, you know, we sort of saw uh, with Seth Curry and Andre Drummond in the lineup, Paddy Mills, the iteration of the Nets. And obviously, I'll get into a little bit of a, the play style sort of stuff that, you know, has already been touched on on previous pods as well as previous reports. The Nets general premise is they want to push the ball a little bit, get easy buckets, get in transition. And if Ben Simmons can add to that, he's one of the best players in the league at pushing the pace and, and being really, really aggressive when it comes to attacking the rim and such. So, you know, he said this in terms of his own play. I think it's just staying aggressive and playing to my strength. That's being a playmaker, making the right plays and setting my guys up. Defensively, locking down who I need to lock down. I'm excited to get on the floor with those guys. Incredible team and incredible talent. I'm super excited. Cool to see him on the bench as well uh, in that Kings win that the Nets did have. So, look, he said the fans were really welcoming. You know, he loved the energy, uh, all of those different things. One thing I did note as well, he, he mentioned the 2018-19 season. And Chris Mulholland uh, uh, from Nets Daily spoke about this a little bit too. He said, I try to compare it to my earlier season with JJ Redick, Ersan Ilyasova, and Marco Bellinelli. I think we were playing Miami in the first round and just the way we were flowing and playing, 
That's the way I know how to play basketball. I'm a team player. I like to see everybody scoring and contributing in any way they can. That's the way you've got to play to win. If you want to be a winner, you've got to play with all the guys on the floor and use everybody's abilities. Maximize what everyone has. Well, look, JJ Redick, you know, replace JJ Redick with Seth Curry, <laughs> Paddy Mills, maybe Joe Harris, you know, Ersan Ilyasova with Kevin Durant, Marco Bellinelli with Kyrie Irving. You know, you're looking at Ben Simmons being an amplifier of a lot of these guys' talents. You know, he's, uh, that's what he's trying to say, you know, maximize everyone else's abilities, the incredible three-point shooting, the shot making. It's not that Ben Simmons can't score. He's obviously not as adept a scorer as, you know, Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant, two of the best ever, but he's also a phenomenal passer. You know, one of the best players in the league at creating three-point opportunities for so many other guys. His ability, if he can can be aggressive, you know, in the pick and roll with with Kyrie Irving, with Kevin Durant, it's going to be unstoppable. So, he also mentioned, you know, his conditioning and, you know, his physical work where he's sort of at. While he was held out, he said he, stick, he stuck to a strict routine. Uh, he didn't know when he'd be traded, but he was working with personal trainers. His routine apparently consisted of things like lifting Pilates and then one-on-two, three-on-three, four-on-four basketball workouts to keep his play sharp. He added that he's been non-stop working on his free throws as well. I think if his free throws can go from, you know, a 60% mark incrementally to 65 and then to around that 70% mark, boy, oh boy, I think he is going to be something serious as an offensive player. I don't need the three ball for him. You know, Nick and I discussed this on a previous pod. If he can just be aggressive and, and, and getting into the line and not be afraid of shirking, con- not shirk contact when he does get into that restricted area, then, and he makes his, his free throws at a decent enough rate, then he's going to be a seriously dangerous offensive player. So, look, I can't wait for, to see him. Hopefully that work does come to fruition. He said also this, and I quote, Physically, over the last six months, I've been working. I feel pretty good. Mentally, I'm getting there. It's an ongoing thing. I'm staying on top of that, but I think I'm heading in the right direction. So, you know, Nets fans, we all wish him well in terms of you know where, where Ben Simmons is at mentally. Physically, he's going to be a hell of a force. He's just an... An absolute unicorn in, in so many different ways. He was asked about, you know, the, obviously March 10 going up against his former team. He said, I hope so. You know, I, I hope so as well. I hope he's back earlier than that and absolutely dominating. And uh, that'll be a, it'll be a movie if we do get to see that. So he also um, was quick to point out the fact talking a, bit, a little bit about uh, Jared Dudley and the, the bit of a back and forth that they had. He said, I've been on the other side. I've played Brooklyn in the first round, had them booing. Jared Dudley talking ish to me you know a bit of an explicit word there that was a lot of fun actually i love jared for that i want everyone to look us look at us like we're the best team seven said with a smile we've got to get there it's going to take time but i'm positive we can do that i believe in the coaches the organization and the players do that so look ben simmons i've gone full 180 on him i'm all all in on on, on where he is at now and i think that i'm i'm really warming to him and Ben 10, you know, can't come quick enough. Not one of my favorite Cartoon Network shows, but, you know, I'm a fan of it. And I'm a fan of all the photoshops that have been done, including uh, by by Orbs. Orbs had a, a pretty awesome one in my guy, Joe Money McCarr. Now, uh, I'll touch a little bit on the, the mental health stuff before moving on to probably the bigger piece from today and, and some of the James Harden stuff that we did here uh, also. He said this as well. The mental health has nothing to do with the trade. It was a bunch of things I was dealing with as a person in my personal life that I don't want to go in in depth with. I'm here now, so it's a blessing to be in an organization like this. I'm just looking forward to getting back on the floor and building something great there. One, he doesn't know us anything. You're a human being. Your personal and mental health issues, they're your own. They're your own, your family, your friends, whoever you choose to share it with, Ben. You know, we as fans, we'd love to know. As long as you are okay, 
in, in every sort of capacity and, and you're physically fit and, and, and going out there, you know, put, and giving your heart and soul for the black and white, we're going to ride with you no matter what. I think that the the insatiable element of you know modern fans is just they want to know everything that's going on. Whereas we don't deserve that. You know, Nick and I touched on a little bit of family stuff, but again, we didn't want to delve into it too deep because it's it's not our place. And a lot of people are, you know, putting their own thoughts and and their own feelings about mental health and and putting and using Ben Simmons as a lightning rod for some of their discontent. And, and I'm not a fan of it. I've made that very very clear. Uh, I spoke about it on a podcast, um, you know, a couple of days ago with an with an Aussie guy, Ben, uh, and you guys can check that out. Uh, check out his. Uh, I, I retweeted that a couple of days ago. But in, the point being that the de- dehumanization of athletes, be it NBA players or football players, AFL players, soccer players, you know, whoever it might be, has gotten to a point of where it's beyond toxicity. It's it it it, it it's. I don't like it. I just I think that George Sedano put out a, a pretty good tweet about the fact that you wouldn't have like a psychologist, a therapist, or a mental health professional talking about another individual's mental health, you know, issues and and, and trials and tribulations that, that they might be going through. So why would Joe Schmo from Philadelphia Sports Media feel the right to do that? Or you know, I, I think it's I, I get that you know everyday fans are going to have their issues and whatever and, and to me that I'm okay with that because you know there's an insatiable and emotional element that's attached to some of these players it's when it's media members and you know actual accredited people that are getting paid to have opinions that aren't really opinions on sport they're more opinions on a person's well-being that's when you know uh, it needs to be put to bed so enough with that please you know we're supporting Ben through through all of his stuff uh, he also said this, I'll throw a few more quotes in there. For me, it was making sure mentally I was right, right to get out there, go out there and play again. That's something I've been dealing with. It wasn't about the fans, coaches, or comments made by anybody. It was just a personal thing for me. That was earlier than that series, being the Atlanta Hawks series, or even that season I was dealing with. That organization, the Sixers, knew that. So it's something I continue to deal with, and I'm getting there and continuing and getting to the right place to get back on the floor. Um the net star said he doesn't know, you know, if it got worse or if it got better. But he d- sometimes thinking too much about it, overthinking it, it's just yeah. Look, it gets to a point where it's it's beyond toxic. So, and I, I want to sort of put this quote out there. This is the first time I'm really speaking up. The last six months, I've had everyone saying something, but no, but not everybody knew. So I can't really say anything negative towards anybody that was saying something because they didn't know. I'm not the type of person that tries to put somebody down for some for something I don't know about. That's just not me as a man. I've had some dark times over these last six months, and I'm just happy to be in this situation with this team and this organization. People are going to say what they want. They've said in the last six months, it is what it is. People are going to have their opinions. Again, I, I, I agree with Ben with what he's saying, but you know, the, there's opinions about basketball and there's opinions about you know, some things that are a little bit deeper than that. So look, I I think we can put that to bed a little bit. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Final quote from Ben. For sure, I don't really... uh... I don't really look at it as pressure. There are just so many things going on within basketball and life as people, but it is what it is. I understand the business side. I understand all that, but there's something that people should be acknowledged and addressed if they do feel like they need some help in areas, and it's okay to do that. Absolutely full on with you there, Ben. If you have the accessibility to you know, address that, absolutely, go for it. Now let's get to he who shall not be named. <laughs> let's get to James Harden. Uh, Jake Fisher had a, you know, check out Jake Fisher's explosive report on Bleacher Report as well as uh, plenty of other places. And also check out the podcast that we did with him, you know, a couple of days ago. It feels like that was weeks ago. So lots of stuff here. So let's get one thing at a time. Apparently, Kevin Durant, surprise, surprise, was a key figure in James Harden's departure. I'll throw a few quotes out there and then a little bit of, you know, analysis of it. Kevin was like, effort. James isn't bringing S. I don't think that would have happened without Kevin making that decision. For weeks, he'd grown weary of Harden's purported commitment to the franchise. When Harden first took to the bench with the right hamstring tightness, Durant was among the Brooklyn figures who were skeptical of the injury severity. There was also reports about the fact that there was imaging and it showed that there might be some inflammation. So James Harden's injury, you know, the reason why he's out currently could be more than valid. By Thursday morning, Durant dialed Nets general manager Sean Marks' sources said, uh, and I continue, Harden, whose extension had said was signed, sealed, and delivered by Marks, began to talk about free agency with increasing regularity and enthusiasm. With Kyrie Irving inactive and a greater workload heaped onto Harden and Durant, a strain formed between the Nets' two active alphas. Kevin and James had a cold war going on to the last several months that made everyone miserable, our one source said. Come December, word started to percolate around the NBA about a mounting disconnect between Harden and Durant which was obviously amplified by Kyrie Irving's absence. Look, I, I don't think that, you know, Harden's commitment, you know, there's, uh, like I've said, it's conditional commitment from Harden, and, and if things aren't going his way, it makes sense. Kyrie not being held accountable and Kyrie being allowed to do whatever he wants, James being his age, knows he doesn't have any time to waste to get his first ha- championship, one source close told to Bleacher Report. Brooklyn coaches notice Harden would roll his eyes when an after-timeout play was designed for Durant, Sources said, well, on that, James, who is one of the greatest shot makers in the history of, of the game? Kevin Durant, how have you been playing this season, mate? Probably your worst season to date. You're aging, your body isn't where it should be, so play shouldn't be run for you. You're the facilitator. You've said that when you first came in here, that I'm going to be this unselfish guy, I'm going to be the playmaker, I'm going to be the point guard. Well, act like it, you know? And Well, he didn't. He act like it. He did act like it. But, you know, if that's true, that's just absolute BS. Now, here's another one in terms of off-court issues relating to Harden. After posting an emphatic 37-point triple-double at the San Antonio Spurs on January 21, Harden left the team for Houston and a night of clubbing. Bleacher Report has learned he rejoined the traveling party in Minnesota for January 23 game against the Timberwolves and had 13 points on 13 attempts. 
This also occurred, you know, a few nights later, um, a few weeks later in February 4, when he, flew to, when he flew to Vegas instead of Denver with the team. Harden didn't arrive at the Jazz game until halftime. When it concluded, Brooklyn continued with its planned itinerary to Denver. Harden flew to Las Vegas. When asked to confirm the account, one person close to the source, close to James Harden, chuckled before responding, that sure sounds like James, doesn't it? it look, this, I, I called him a diva. This is diva-like behavior, but he's probably used to this sort of thing happening in Houston. And now that the franchise is not revolving around him, and again, you have Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is one of the 10 best players in the history of the game. That's who the franchise revolves around. If James couldn't get his head or mind or whatever around that, that's his problem. So see you later, son. Apparently, Sixers personnel were adamant they would never include Tyrese Maxi or Matisse Thibel alongside Simmons, but also express a willingness to attach future draft capital to a land of superstar. They just needed the Nets to listen. So look, all of this thing is to tell me that is James Harden, he quit. Look, you don't have to call him, uh, you don't have to label him with quitter for forever, but he has shown a behavior of quitting. He's shown a behavior of prioritizing himself above his team. In, in these circumstances, these events reinforce that notion. Does that mean he's done it all the time across his career? Does that mean he hasn't, you know, put his hamstring on the line and put his body on the line for, for the Nets before in the Milwaukee Bucks series and other games and such? No, but I'm talking about these instances, the most recent instances that we do have to to look at. So ultimately, I think Kevin Durant was right to be frustrated and he had a level of patience up to a point where it's just like, every person has a breaking point and it's just like, look, and there were rumors, you know, and I'll, I'll touch on these in, in a little bit about, you know, the Nets being interested in Ben Simmons during, you know, the, the James Harden, you know, a three-way trade being a possibility. So, Look, I don't know. Ultimately, Kevin Durant's role was, you know, integral. He's been his role in this, the building of this franchise in general has been integral. You know, he was, you know, a, a big piece in terms of, you know, the Nets acquiring Cam Thomas. You know, apparently, you know, Kevin Durant was big on that. He was also adamant on the fact that they did he didn't want to include Cam Thomas in any sort of trade proposals for for other guys. So maybe that's the reason why the Nets weren't able to acquire. You know, a Jeremy Grant or a Harrison Barnes or Eric Gordon or these sort of guys, because Kevin Durant's you know mentorship and budding friendship and and, and relationship that he's got with the the rookie. And look, I think with the way Cam Thomas has been playing lately, I think he's averaging something like twenty two or twenty three points over the past six games. Makes a lot of sense why he's prioritizing Cam Thomas. I think that there's certainly uh, the the two are, are are built for each other you know the he can i think he sees a lot of himself in in what cam thomas has in terms of his mentality his drive uh, and his talent you know the, those both of those guys have talent so look we'll get to a few more james harden thing guys because apparently philadelphia was james harden's first choice and that he just wants to win I'm not sure how much the Philadelphia 76ers lost by tonight with James Harden sitting on the bench against the Boston Celtics, but maybe check the box score, James. But who am I to say? It's not that Kevin Durant's won a Finals MVP and a couple of championships and Kyrie Irving's won a championship and hit one of the greatest shots in playoff history, but who am I to say? Well, James, have fun with Joel Embiid. It, so I'll, I'll get into, I guess, a, a few of the comments that he did make that were interesting so look originally when i was going through everything i was going through in houston philly was my first choice now i will rebuff some of that uh 
because one quotes that he had on his media day with the nets upon the trade don't necessarily reflect that so what he did say in terms of that is we have two elite scorers my job is to come out here obviously score the basketball getting our shooter shots i think that's one aspect of the game that will excel in this offense as long as i'm making my teammates better it doesn't matter about the points i think everybody knows that i can score the ball at a high clip and that's where the sacrifice comes about sacrifice came to a point james but you have to have con- consistent sacrifice if you want to actually win that championship that you're clamoring for so much from cbs sports as well Han said the nets were at the top of his list as he engineered his houston exit it was a no-brainer for me he said because all he wants to at this stage of his career is a chance to win a title I'm not saying he won't win a title in philadelphia alongside Jordan Embiid, who's playing some incredible basketball right now but You've got a history of winning and a history of success with the team. Look, 129 offensive rating when you're playing alongside Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. He would even said that you know the the issues with Kyrie Irving were overblown and they weren't the thing. That you know he's got a strong friendship there. So why not just wait it out? Just wait it out, James. Well, I don't know. Maybe his patience is only conditional when it comes to you know at the Houston strip clubs or Vegas strip clubs. Who knows? But in saying that, there were also a few other little uh, bits and pieces and, and little tidbits. And this is via a Brooklyn's beat. Honestly, I'm going to take my time on focus on trying to build a bring a championship to the city. Talking about Brooklyn. But as far as an extension, I'm just being patient with it. With it. I went through a lot last year and I want to make sure I'm in the right mindset. And knowing long term that ultimately I want to be in Brooklyn for the rest of my career. Sure. Uh, I posted that video as well. James Harden on other teams he couldn't have got traded to. I could have got crazy. Thanks to the Houston Rockets for getting me where I wanted to be. Emphasizing that because where he wanted to be was the Brooklyn Nets. The amount of cap. Boy, oh boy. There's a, let's just say there's a lot of cap. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Apparently from Adrian Wazanowski, he said, James Harden's message to Houston is clear. Get me to Brooklyn. Didn't say get me to Philadelphia, did you, James? From Sham Sarani and, and Sam Amick of The Athletic, with both offers in hand on the morning of January 13, 2021, sources say Rockets owner Tillman Fertitta approached Harden about which destination he preferred, Brooklyn or Philadelphia. It remains unclear whether Fertitta would have been willing to d- follow through on the Sixers deal if Harden had opted for Philadelphia. At the time, sources say the Rockets also strongly preferred the Nets proposal. There was a sense of release relief from Fatita sources said that Harden had picked the Nets he picked the Nets it's simple he might have changed his mind he might be just saying it because he is such a good media darling at, at acclimating himself to new you know reporters and stuff but the cap and the the generational lying look it's like LeBron James you know some of these superstars just lie for the sake of lying I, I don't I don't know I honestly don't know, and it's a little bit frustrating, but look, who cares? It's, he, it's his own thing. So, again, the quote around, around winning is like, I need to be around guys that I know want to win and are willing to do whatever it takes to win. Well, 
if you're willing to do whatever it takes to win, maybe don't go to strip clubs, maybe do a few exercises in the off-season that aren't can, uh, hanging around with hype-beast uh, hype rappers in, in Paris and actually go to a gym because Kevin Durant expressed frustrations about his conditioning and, and coming back in out of shape. Kevin Durant looks pretty goddamn good in shape. Kyrie Irving, upon his return, yes, you can make plenty of, of gripes with Kyrie Irving you know, around vaccination status and such, but... He came back in shape and was absolutely dominating from game dot. You know, and look, James James can say what he wants, but his behavior is reflecting elsewhere. That, that's it. It's as simple as that. So look, what's the vibe, James? What's the vibe? Well, the vibe's been pretty good right now, according to Bruce Brown. He said the locker room is just a great vibe in there right now. I don't know what it is. Everybody just shifted after the trade deadline everybody likes everybody it's just great look i think i know what it is bruce but maybe some other people can put two and two together we've got some smart lessons at the brooklyn buzz now that's enough of the old trade stuff james harden maybe we'll talk about him again but hopefully it is talking about him in relation to a big win over the philadelphia 76ers on march 10 but I want to get to some more rumors that, that popped today. And that's that Nicholas Claxton was almost traded to Toronto, according to reports uh, via Zach Lowe. So the apparently the two teams were very close to a deal with Brooklyn likely to receive a protected first round pick. Now, wh- whether that deal was on and Sean Mark said no, or whether, you know, Kevin Durant had a say in that, or whether there were other moving pieces about the fact that, look, I, I put it out to, there to the fact that if the Nets had got that first, would they have been able to upgrade, you know, at the wing spot, which I think is a, an area of need. So it's not just Kessler Edwards, who's hit a little bit of a rookie wall, Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons when he comes back. A lot of people, including at Paul tweets too much, is saying, I'm guessing the answer was no, and that's why the trade wasn't done. A lot of other people, including F6 Don Mello, I'd imagine they explored that way and saw that the extra pick still wouldn't matter, and so they didn't trade him. Who knows? And at Disron, how you doing? I think we had offers, but Katie probably vetoed all of them because he wanted Cam to stay. Yeah, maybe they were. Maybe other teams were asking for Cam Thomas as well as those first round picks. And the Nets were seeing that the protected first wasn't going to have the same value that other teams would have thought of, you know, Cam Thomas has. So, look, I understand it, but Claxton's role with this team is going to be certainly very interesting. I think that he's going to be playing, in my eyes, more of a, a full role on defense. And he can maybe play alongside maybe a LaMarcus Aldridge, maybe against a ben, alongside a Ben Simmons. Don't know if I want him next to Andre Drummond, but maybe you do because Drummond is a decent enough ring protector, but I don't want him along. Again, I'm not sure what his role is. You know, he didn't play despite being healthy in that Sacramento Kings game. The depth at the five position right now is as as strong as it's ever been. So that's something to, to certainly keep an eye on in terms of Nick Claxton and his role. And obviously he's due for a payday. Who knows whether he does, you know, uh, happen to get that. I, I, especially with luxury tax implications for the Nets, maybe a sign and trade. I honestly don't know, but look, I hope Clack City is is a, is pumping and alive and well because as a defensive force, he can truly be a game changer for the Nets in in a lot of ways, especially on that other floor. You know, switching if the Nets play a switching style of defense, and you've got Clacks, you've got Ben Simmons, you've got KD in that front court. Dear Lord, I wouldn't want to be an opposing offense trying to get buckets on those guys. So 
Hopefully, Steve Nash can find a way to, to utilize him because that's his job. And hopefully, Clax is motivated and goes out there and is able to produce. Hopefully, his conditioning is on point. He's always had a few issues here and there with that. And we do see Clax pump and alive and well and, and make it more difficult for Steve Nash because the five position is a stacked one. There's a lot of options there in terms of offense, defense, and, and, and the rest of it going there. But another one, and this one hurt a little bit. It was a Woj bomb. The Milwaukee Bucks are closing in on signing free agent DeAndre Bembry for the rest of the season, sources tell ESPN. The guy who was fourth in minutes for us. The guy who was over 50% from, from the corner from three. Now, it was it was awesome to see Bruce Brown dominate the way that he did, but DeAndre Bembry belongs... He's a Brooklyn net to me. He, uh, and it still pains me to see this sort of stuff. And if he is up, going up against us in a playoff series and he locks down Kyrie Irving for some possessions or whoever else it might be, or Cam Thomas or whatever, I'm going to be... I'll have mixed feelings, let's say it that way, because... The, the decision by Sean Marks and all the ownership to let DeAndre Bembry go when you had, you know, James Johnson, Bruce Brown, Javon Carter. You know, Bruce Brown maybe makes sense given the qualifying offer and Javon Carter. And Javon Carter and James Johnson. Both of those guys have been ancillary to the ancillary to the ancillary of their roles and production to what DeAndre Bembry has done. <laughs> Again, I've got plenty of rants of that if you want to check out previous episodes. I don't want to get any more in my feelings about it guys but let's get to a few questions that uh, a few people dropped into my mentions and thank you to those people that did at king puppy solo will ben simmons be able to play with non-shooters on the court or will we always need to be surrounded by four shooters now i took a look at basketball reference and, and just look at some of these better lineups both in the 2018-19 season, because it's the one that he said he thinks is is the most replicable to what he would be in Brooklyn, and then what he did most recently last season. Now, I'll, I'll, the ones that I think are in the 2018-19 season, that were these five-man lineups. So, uh, Jimmy Butler, Wilson Chandler, Joel Embiid, JJ Redick, and Ben Simmons had, were plus 12.9 you know, in per 100 possessions, which is pretty goddamn good. Plus 17... Point seven alongside Jimmy Butler, Wilson Chandler, Mike Muscala, Landry Shamit, and Ben Simmons. So there's only two shooters, two and a half shooters, you know, in that lineup as well. Plus eight, plus nineteen point eight when you have JJ Redick, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, and Jimmy Butler. So you got Harris, you got Embiid, you got Redick. So that's three shooters there. Jimmy Butler's a non-shooter. So I don't think it needs to be necessarily just all shooters. I think Ben Simmons can find a way to play with talent. It's just going to be whether he's willing to screen, whether he's going to be willing to be a cutter, those sort of things that you know we haven't seen from him on a totally regular basis. But not to say that he can't do it, because my guy Nick Faye posted you know plenty of clips that show that he can do that. So in terms of combinations, you know I think that that is where you know he can work. In terms of four-man combinations, you know some of his better lineups, sorry, his three-man combinations. Some of his best ones are, you know, Joel Embiid and and JJ Redick. They're plus. They were plus twelve point eight in you know over a thousand minutes played. Uh, plus twelve point two alongside Wilson Chandler and JJ Redick. You know, JJ Redick seems to be a pretty good shooter. Seth Curry. Hmm, I wonder if they they'll be okay together. Some of the lineups that they were last year were insane. I think I put out my timeline a couple of days ago. They had a hundred and eighteen offensive running when they were together on the floor in over a thousand minutes last season. So I think that as long as he's got a really high level shooter so it's not a, a javon carter a sort of fake shooter out there if he's got seth curry if he's got patty mills if he's got you know joe harris one or two of those he's going to be a deadly deadly force in, in terms of what he can do but 
at the same time, alongside Wilson Chandler and, and Joel Embiid, plus 11.4. So there's plenty of combinations that he, he just shows that he is a, a very good player. Um, and in terms of playoff combinations in that season, at 2018-19, the one that I alluded to, plus 25.3, alongside JJ Redick, Tobias Harris, and Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid. So I think that... Yeah, I don't think he needs the highest level of spacing in the world. You know, alongside Shake Milton, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, and Seth Curry, plus 49.2. Ridiculous numbers. So I think Ben Simmons just needs good players around him. He's smart. He's talented. He's a willing passer. He's an incredible athlete. I don't think it needs to just be spacers and shooters. But it certainly wouldn't help. You... And this is a shout out to Kyrie for three on Twitter. He just said, just replace Bruce with Ben, Bruce Brown with Ben Simmons. And you've got basically a, a really goddamn ready replacement. So that certainly wouldn't help either. Uh, via at Solace Story, at Solace NMV. What do you think about Cam starting and Patty coming off the bench? Look, I'm intrigued by it because Patty Mills' role when coming to the Brooklyn Nets was to be a six man of the year. You know, a six man coming off the bench, give you a spark plug. But his responsibilities have increased given the absences, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, all those guys. And he's relished that role and produced at a level that has been career, uh, career level. You know, he's been playing absolutely incredibly. In terms of Cam starting, I don't think Steve Nash wants to. I don't think Steve Nash still has the utmost trust in him because of his rookie status, even though he's been playing incredible basketball of late. I think Cam Thomas is a more natural mid-range shooter. I think he might be a more natural three-level scorer because Paddy around the rim isn't great. But Cam Thomas can get to the line and, and draw a little bit of contact. Paddy Mills is a much, much better three-point shooter and in terms of moving off the ball and uh, in, as a much better off-ball player. So I think it's going to be about the combinations around him. And I think that that's what matters. Whether you know the, the Nets as they are, you know, if you've got Seth Curry and Paddy Mills, maybe do they need to be together? Maybe you could have a Cam Thomas. I don't know. I think it you've got... The luxury of those guys now, which I think is the main thing. Uh, we've got a few more here, guys, before we finish this one up. Via at underscore sixth underscore borrow. Who do you think is the starting five when everyone's back? I'd say Kyrie, KD, Simmons, Blake, and Joe Harris. Seth Curry, depending on if he gets that. Or Joe Harris slash Seth Curry. Joe Harris, obviously, if he's healthy. I love the idea of LA off the bench, and I also would want to limit Drummond being on the floor with Ben. I... I don't, I don't think Blake, maybe Blake starts. I think it's going to be matchup dependent. You know, you've basically Kyrie, Katie, Simmons are your locks, and then a spacer of some sort. Seth, Joe are probably the most likely ones. I think Seth, because of the chemistry that he has, you know, and, and already had an awesome showing against Sacramento, and you could have Joe Harris coming off the bench, because I think Joe Harris has a bit more size, and, you know, Kyrie... KD, Curry and Seth as your sort of backcourt, you know, is a, a, a pretty natural point guard, shooting guard. Those guys are sort of interchangeable with some of their playmaking and shot creation ability. At the five, I honestly don't think Andre Drummond would be the worst guy to have there in the world. You know, they might occupy similar positions in terms of an offense. So it might get a little bit clunky. I think LA is the best fit offensively. And I think Ben Simmons can make up for some of his defensive shortcomings as well. Plus, LA can space out a little bit. Is a is a probably our most capable offensive big. So I I agree. Lamarcus Aldridge off the bench, but you can stagger those lineups a little bit. You know, when Ben Simmons, you know, you might choose to throw some guys off the floor, and you bring in a, a, a drum, and then you throw a, 
I just think that there's there's combinations there that could be had. That, but I like LA, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Ben Simmons as the best combination. But throw clacks out there as well. I think that you got athleticism, you got switchability. I, I want Sean Marks to figure this out. You know, sometimes experimentation doesn't work well with him. Sometimes it does. Final one via at Henry Sanchez. Jack, what do you think the rumored three-team deal between Philly, BK, and the Rockets would have looked like last year? which Maury made, made reference to. I think the Nets would have been getting Ben Simmons. I think James Harden would have gone to Philadelphia. And maybe the Nets could have been able to keep, you know, whether it was a Jared Allen or a Carol Savert, and maybe their picks would have stayed. And and maybe Tyrese Maxey goes to, to Houston as a sort of first round, you know, capable value piece. I honestly don't know, but I think that that's the, the crux of the deal. Picks and players, you know, go around a, a little bit here and there. Obviously, the Nets had to offload Jared Allen to get a first round in return. So maybe they were able to keep him. And maybe, man, the Nets with Jared Allen right now would be pretty goddamn formidable. Let's say that. So I think that's the crux of the deal, the, plain and simply. Because picks and role players would, you know, you could shuffle them around however you want to do. And one more. Do you think the Nets can pursue anyone on the buyout market? They don't have any roster spots, obviously would Sai eat the Carter money to open up a spot for Dragic? Uh, I, I think he would. I think Javon Carter is the guy that's more likely to get, you know, get the get shipped out for uh, a Goran Dragic who was linked by Adrian Wojnarowski. But I, I would look. It, it might sound a little bit sacrilege, but I, I wouldn't mind a, a Gary Harris over a Goran Dragic because hypothetically, you know, the mandates do get lifted. You got Kyrie Irving, you got Goran Dragic, you got Paddy Mills, you got Seth Curry. I think it's a bit guard heavy. Now, I'm not to say that you just don't add talent for the sake of adding talent. I think adding Goran Dragic over Javon Carter is an upgrade on the rotation automatically. So I would do that. But if you can get a Gary Harris instead or a Mike Muscala, you know, there's a not many buyout candidates. Look, maybe even a John Wall. Maybe John Wall fits a little bit better with his, I don't know what, what state he's in, but as a facilitator and a role player, maybe he'd be better. But I think Goran Dragic would be a nice add. I don't think he's going to go to the Brooklyn Nets. I think that he has priorities elsewhere. You know, Miami, probably Milwaukee as well. But if Milwaukee had Bembry, maybe that takes them out of the, the sweepstakes. But I, I think that I would prioritize a wing, but there aren't many wings out there. That's the thing. You know, guys like Kent Bazemore, Eric Bledsoe, Drew Eubanks, Derek Favors, Jeremy Lamb. Maybe you get a Jeremy Lamb. Maybe Jeremy Lamb's a, a, a higher priority on that list because of his ability to you know play a bit more wing-ish or has at least got a bit more size and can be a bit more of a role player but again i'm a i'm a fan of gary harris i don't think he's going to change the world but i think his defense in the in the backcourt and as well as his three ball which has been really solid this year in comparison to previous years um i i would value and prioritize that but i i also want to shout out uh, billy reinhardt who posted the link score and drag which does have to the nets organization in general that the fact that he was a teammate of steve Steve Nash, as well as Amari Stoudemire in Phoenix, and James Johnson in Miami. So there's ties there. But who does Kevin Durant want the most? That's going to be a, a probably in the buyouts with Blake Griffin and the buyout with Lamarcus Aldridge. Both guys that I'm pretty, both when they were um, linked to the Nets and when were signed by the Nets, both Blake, both LA talked about the fact that Kevin Durant wanted them there. Who does Kevin Durant want out of the names that I just listed? Guessing what Kevin Durant wants is a, is a tricky situation, but you know I know that he wants talent, and Goran Dragic is talented, and he's an upgrade on the rotation. So be it. But I, 
not as confident on the fact that he will be a Brooklyn net. I again, I want it. He's got talent. He's a good three-point shooter. Can work well in the pick and roll. Good facilitator. Can play well off ball. But we'll see if it does happen. I, I, I like Gary Harris. That's just that's just me though, guys. Maybe I've got an affinity for people who have the last name Harris. Thanks, guys, for sticking around and listening to my voice for you know over half an hour. Make sure you subscribe to the Brooklyn Buzz on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Five stars, you know, let's give us those five stars and throw a few reviews out our way if you can as well. Uh, And thanks for joining. And Nick will be back with some of the game recaps. I'll be back over the weekend. We'll have some spaces dropping as well. The All-Star break is going to have a heap of content as well. And if you like these solo pods or you don't like them, hit me or Nick up in the DMs at Jack Manuel, J-A-C-M-A-N-U-E-L-L and at Nick underscore Faye underscore. Hit us both up. You know, we're doing our best. We're trying to give you guys the content that you want. Give us some feedback. Thanks, guys. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.